0: Welcome to More Than Work, the podcast reminding you that your self worth is defined by more than your job title. I'm Rabia, an IT project manager, comedian, nonprofit volunteer, and sometimes activist. Every week, I'll chat with a guest about pursuing passions outside of work or creating meaningful opportunities inside their workplace. As you listen, I hope you'll be inspired to do the same. Well thanks for joining me again this week everyone. Uh, my guest that's on this week actually convinced me to do a cold dip into the Atlantic Ocean when it was about 55 degrees Fahrenheit or 13 degrees Celsius since I'm over in the UK and I really didn't hate it which it's hard for me to even believe myself now. Uh, so I'm pretty giddy to introduce her. She's open water swimmer and Olympic silver medalist Carrie Ann Payne. Hey Carrie Ann how's it going?
1: Hi, I kind of for a second had forgotten that I made you get into the water. But I do remember your massive smile at the end of it when you got out of the water. So it was all good.
0: Yeah, it was. I survived. (laughs) Uh, So do you want to tell people just a little bit more about yourself?
1: Uh, Yes, you may have opened up a can of worms here, but just tell me to shut up when I uh, I talk too far. But essentially, I was um, born in South Africa and lived there until I was 13. Uh, Both my parents were from Manchester, moved to South Africa, got a job and worked out there for 26 years. And then we all moved back to Manchester in 2001 to be with the rest of my family, essentially. Um, And my childhood, if I have one big memory, it's swimming. Uh, I learned how to swim when I was about four. I swam my whole life um competing racing open water pool swimming everything I just absolutely loved it and then that really kind of transferred as soon as we moved to the UK I remember my dad as embarrassing as it sounds now and it was embarrassing at the time to be honest but my dad went around and what he said and he actually described this as he was interviewing coaches whether they'd be good coaches for me or not which really isn't the way (laughs) that that actually works um, so yeah, so he, anyway, we found a great coach, uh, in the local town, just the town next to where we, where we lived. Um, and that was really the start of my, I guess my competitive career. Um, I was still a junior then, but, uh, you know, sort of making it a lot more serious. It was just fun and I really enjoyed it as a kid. Um, And I was a pool swimmer, so raced mainly in the swimming pool um, and then had a couple of bad years, really, with that. It just it wasn't something that I was enjoying very much anymore. Just missed out on competitions, came forth at a pretty big competition that I should have meddled in. And it just wasn't I just wasn't enjoying it. Basically, I was about 17, 16, 17. My body was changing. School was becoming a bit more intense and um, I was realizing I guess that I was missing out on things like parties and I don't know standing on street corners and in like dark parks and stuff which is apparently what all my <laughs> friends were doing um, and I thought actually this isn't I just wasn't really sure at the time if it was for me anymore but at that time my coach um, kind of cleverly gave me an option and said look I can't really deal with you being this person anymore because I'd gone from being kind of really happy and to just being really moody and crying and not wanting to train and he was like it's not good for the squad it's not good for you it's not good for me so there's an option to completely change events so what you can do is you can go to Sheffield and do a 400 individual medley which is two strokes two lengths of each stroke back to back Mm -hmm. um or you can go out to Australia and you can do a 10k and I mean I'm pretty sure everyone would probably go for the same option that I did, which was I'm going to Australia, basically. I didn't even hear the 10K bit. I was like, option B, thank you. I'll take B. <laughs> um, So I went out to Australia, did the 10, this 10K, and, and I essentially qualified for um, our what was our trials for the Olympics, essentially. Um, uh, and, yeah, it just really started from there. It was just this amazing opportunity to try something different. I must admit at the time I was a little bit reluctant because – I'd gone from swimming in a pool which was nice and clean and there was a lane to myself and it was eight and a half minutes long my race all of a sudden to swimming in the sea with jellyfish, 25 to 40 other girls all trying to swim over the top of me to get to the same place and I couldn't see where I was going either because there was no black line to follow and I just thought at the beginning it was a bit like I'm really glad I'm in Australia But really, what am I doing here? Like, this is crazy. So it took me a little while to love the sport. Um, But what I do really love about it is being out in the open water and the outdoors and the perspective that you get is different. And it's not clinical like swimming pool can be. Swimming pools are the same everywhere you go. Ultimately, they're the same. They just look a bit different. The water's the same. The length is the same. The people in the fast lane are the same. People in the slow lane are the same. (laughs) Like, it's the same issues wherever you go. But the open water is so different. Um, and I really, really love that. So I was very lucky to make my first Olympic Games uh, for the Beijing Olympics, and it was the first time the ten k had been in the Olympics that year. um Went in in eighth position was my kind of my ranking in the world at the time, and I came out with a silver medal, which was a shock to everyone, myself included. um But I just went in; I had no game plan. I just went straight in and just did what I thought I could do, and, and yeah, and came out with a medal. Um, which was amazing and then backed that up two years previous the next two years with um two world championship titles as well for the 10k which again was just amazing and really did find my niche and what i was doing um and then i i went to two more olympic games after that so i went to the london olympics where i came fourth but maybe we can talk about that later and then i went to the real <laughs> olympic games uh where i finished seventh but ended my career as a 28 year old which is Old in the world of swimming um I was the oldest on the team by quite a few years but managed to finish my my career um really happy with I couldn't have done any more I literally could not have done any more than I did on that day um and I loved the four years in the lead up from London to Rio and one of my favorite locations in the whole world to swim was the Copacabana beach and I had the opportunity to race there as my Olympic venue so I really absolutely loved it um that was back in 2016. 2017, I finished swimming, um, but made sure I still had something to step into that was, you know, related to the sport that I loved, which was um, essentially a coaching business where we take people to lovely locations like St. Lucia and Nevis um, to teach them how to swim, essentially. So we start in the pool with them and then we get them ultimately into the open water and then that morphed very quickly into I had the opportunity to join forces with the swimming teachers association who ultimately they run baby swimming qualifications and learn to swim qualifications and they were looking to step into open water and coaching so um they definitely weren't wasn't weren't what the right word is expecting me to get as involved as I did but um they essentially wanted to use my name and my face and I told them that that wasn't going to be the case I needed to be really comfortable and happy with what was coming out um And essentially, I helped them to create a level two coaching qualification, which I am so proud of. I absolutely love it. And that was 2018. We launched the qualification. And as of October 2020, um, I've managed to qualify 250 coaches uh, in three years. 110 of those were this year in a lockdown. Um, Well, in parts of lockdown and in a global (laughs) pandemic. So, yeah, I really couldn't be couldn't be happier with how things have progressed and, and where I am today and what I'm doing.
0: Yeah. You're the first retiree that I've interviewed.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I will take that title. Thank you. <laughs> so,
0: so that's great. Well, yeah. So there's a lot there. I mean, there, there's so much because I think just starting with when you were very young and you were open to changing gears really, right. And changing mm. your event because mm-hmm. I, I, I've never been an athlete, so I can't speak from that perspective, but I think I have dedicated myself to things and seen them not work out and been disappointed. And I think there's some resilience to someone who can, can go and say, okay, this isn't working out for me very well. And however graceful you are about it or not, doesn't matter. You know, especially as a teenager, that's really hard, but I think I've been in tears in the last week about certain things, you know? Uh, but then just to go into and jump into another event and and do it and did you know you had that in you before that or is that something you just kind of
1: um I think it it was squirreled away somewhere because when I lived in South Africa I think one of the reasons I adapted actually quite easily was when I lived in South Africa one weekend it was either a pool competition or the next weekend it was an open water competition so I did a lot of open water swims as a youngster so I didn't have the fear that a lot of teenagers have going into something like that it was very different to that because those were like one mile events which take you know 20 25 minutes maximum Mm -hmm. um but similar sort of you know the feeling of people swimming around you and it's a race and all that kind of stuff and and to be honest thinking back to it now I I do sometimes wonder if I hadn't swum my whole life being faced with that challenge of all of a sudden, you know, do I quit, which is definitely the word I would have used differently to retiring because it would have been very different. But if I quit, I don't have swimming anymore. But if I change Mm -hmm. this thing, I'm still within the sport that I I know. So it kind of felt comfortable to start with, Um, which is an interesting one, really, because It's interesting to hear you say like the word resilience, because I I guess I wouldn't have really used that at the time. I I kind of made the most of the opportunity, I guess. But um, at the time, it felt like, well, I don't know anything else. I don't know anything other. It almost seemed more scary to not carry on swimming than Mm -hmm. to take on this new thing. So it's an interesting point there. Yeah. Thinking back on that now.
0: Yeah. Well, and just the opportunity to do that and then to see where you went with the open water swimming. Uh, one thing I want to go to really quick, just back to our cold dipping experience. Can you explain what cold dipping is <laughs> and the benefits yeah. of it? Because I think a lot of people heard me say that and they're wondering, were you clothed? Yes, we were. <laughs>
1: <laughs> to that. Yeah, of course we were. Some yeah. Some to that. Um, yeah. So uh, we call it dipping, essentially. So cold water dipping, and it, it's it's pretty much exactly what it says on the tin. It's it's just about immersing your body and yourself into cold water for short periods of time I mean we were in the water maybe two minutes maximum so mm-hmm. we kind of ran in the waves were kind of crashing a bit and we thought this is fun it's time to get out now yeah. <laughs> we ran back out because I was very aware that obviously you guys were were new and I managed to drag along someone else to join me as well um but what happens is our bodies are amazing at adapting uh to certain things and um, and just love being shocked in a positive way now what happens with one of the things anyway that happens with cold water swimming is that it um essentially it shocks your endorphins not your endorphins it shocks your the mitochondria within your blood to go whoa what is going on and when they do that what they do is they just rush through your whole system everything so all the blood cells are just rushing through your whole system all the way from your head all the way down to your toes. And when the body is is flushed like that, when the mitochondria are like on a mission, they scoop things out. They find inflammation and they start to deal with it. They find stuff in the brain and they start to clear it out. So what we're seeing is a lot of people um, with uh, who are going through menopause, uh, it really helps them to help regulate their bodies and all that kind of stuff. People with mental health um, problems and issues, it's really helping them as well with depression, anxiety, all that kind of stuff, because it's also about joining a community which really helps the same thing so we'd never recommend doing it on your own and, and actually we felt like a little crew running in yeah, <laughs> and then yeah running back out <laughs> um, so yeah so it has some amazing benefits and it also what it does is it it boosts your resilience you were just talking about resilience and that's another thing that it does by opting to go in to do that each time knowing that it's going to be because no matter how many times you do it it's still going to be painful and make you scream mm. essentially when you do it <laughs> But your body just like deals, is able to deal with it slightly better. Um, but the continual effort of that makes you a more resilient person because you're choosing to do it because you know what's going to happen at the end rather than just going, oh, I can't bother today. I'll just stay in bed today. It's nice and warm. It's cold outside. It's raining. By getting up and doing it, that's what makes it, um, makes you more resilient.
0: Yeah, that's, and I can definitely say it would have been easier to stay in bed that day. And I actually had to harken <laughs> back to it this earlier today, this morning, because my heating and hot water are not working right now. Oh, no. So I had to decide, do I wash my hair or not? <laughs> so I was thinking, all right. And I didn't know how long we were in the water, actually. I was trying to remember, well, thinking about this interview, but then also just thinking about it for the shower thing. I was like, okay, I did this once. I can do it again. But I'm not sure if the water's actually a little bit colder now in my flat. But, yeah. It probably so, is. And I think I have to do it tomorrow. So I guess I'll be building my resilience.
1: You uh, exactly. When you step in there, you go, this better be good resilience. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, this better do something. <laughs> the mitochondria better be in action.
1: Yeah, they will for sure.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so when you look at your role in coaching right now, so because mm-hmm. you actually coach and you qualify coaches, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. So when you look at your role as a coach right now, what are you, Bringing, I guess, from your experiences with other coaches, do you have any qualities that you maybe got from them that you think are really great that you apply now?
1: It's sort of a combination of both what I do take from them and what I don't take from them, Mm -hmm. I guess. Um, So, yeah, so because swimming is such a young sport, Um, You do it, you know, from a kid, learn to swim, then you get into swimming clubs and you're doing it before school and after school. So it is kind of that school age is where a lot of stuff is kind of built. And those coaches that coach those ages, essentially, are what I would actually call trainers. So here's the session. I've written the session. It's on here. It says this, 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 and this. Ready, steady, go. I'm going to time you to do it. Whereas when you get a bit older... And even I would even say when you're that young, like there was never really uh, an athlete led approach. It wasn't encouraged essentially to be Mm. an athlete led. So I think this would be the best thing for me to do. Um, Why don't we try this or what have we thought about this or how can this work? It was just a case of I'm going to turn up on a Monday morning. My coach is going to tell me what to do. He's going to tell me what to do the next day and the next day and the next day. And I'm just going to do it because it's worked in the past. It made me an Olympic silver medalist, double world champion. Why fix something that's not broken? But when I found myself, which you guess now brings us back to London, I found myself on that race, probably the biggest competition of my whole life. And I found myself in a position where I made an error, an error just a rookie error. Mm-hmm. It happens sometimes, sometimes it doesn't. It's been on the both receiving end, good and bad of that before um but it wasn't just the error that I made that it was the one thing but what I did from that point was I found myself in the position I absolutely dreaded being in and never prepared for because I just I hated the thought of being in the middle of a pack so much that I just never put myself there before so Mm -hmm. thinking back there was the most important competition of my whole life how was I not fully prepared for all of that um Why did I not think that that would ever happen? And why did I not train and prepare my body and my mind to deal with that? I trained my body every single day. I trained in the gym. Like, why did I not train my mind to be comfortable with that? Um, And that really, so when I think back to that, that was a a really big moment for me where I get really angry, but only with myself, really, because I just Mm -hmm. never took responsibility. And then I moved, I moved coaches from the coach that I had for nine years in Manchester up to Edinburgh. My husband got a job up there. So I moved up to Edinburgh I was unsure if I wanted to carry on swimming and um, coming fourth at home Olympics, I can guarantee really sucks. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but it's, yeah. you know, by 0. 0.4 of a second as well. So it was a really close oh one. Gosh. It was a, it was a tough one. And, and I, it was my own fault because I, 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 made an error and anyway, moving on. Um, I wasn't sure if I wanted to carry on swimming or not. And again, I kind of felt like I was like a bit in that crossroads sort of section, but, um, I remember sitting down for coffee with uh, there was two coaches in Edinburgh. One was for the university program, which seemed really like the sell was great. Like, you don't have to pay much to join us and you're going to get this and you've got this pool and that pool. And we can really, you know, tailor the program to what you need and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And then the second coach, which was the um, lady called Laurel Bailey, and she was the head coach of an age group program. Now, bearing in mind at the time I was 24 and an age group mm-hmm. program is pretty much like 18 and under. It was quite a big age gap, and most of them were 16, 17, still in school. So I was already a little bit like, mm, I'm not really too sure, but I'll see what she says, and we'll go for it. Anyway, and the first thing she said was, look, you're an adult. You know your body better than I know your body, so what is it that you need? What do you need to make you one of the best swimmers in the world? And I was like, I um, don't know. And I almost like got up and walked out saying, thank you very much for your time. This isn't for me. But actually, on reflection after that, it was quite a breath of fresh air. So when I, what I do now, what I take now from the different styles of coaching that I have is, is how how empowering it is to have an athlete lead their program. Now that's not for me to say. You know, if the athlete goes, so what is it that you want to do today?" and they go, "Oh, uh, just two lengths and get out, go home." <laughs> Fine. Like if that's what you think is going to benefit you, then do that but do you think it will ultimately benefit you in the long run um it's not about that it's about I'm guiding someone through a journey and a process but what we do know is that we're far better at learning when we do it rather than we're told what to do especially with what I'm doing now which is coaching adults a lot of them are new swimmers or learned how to swim as kids taking many years out and then all of a sudden getting back into it now trying to remember everything so it's not about me saying do this with your hand do this with your elbow breathe here I can do that and it would I would get through probably triple the amount of people that I normally Mm -hmm. do get through in the time in the the amount of time that I normally do get through but for me that's not that's not important it's not about me feeling good at the end of it it's about making sure that the the swimmer the athlete that I have gets they become the best version of themselves by them learning because ultimately I'm not going to be there with them all the time and the only way that they're going to remember how to do it properly is if they do it themselves so that's kind of where I take my coaching to.
0: Yeah, I actually took swimming lessons about five years ago when I was living in New York, because I was having knee surgery. And one of the things was, you know, you should really swim. First of all, don't run, which no problem, I won't, you know, (laughs) I never had a desire. But the the water was considered to be the best thing for me Mm -hmm. in swimming. And I really, I wouldn't say I was afraid of the water. I don't have that issue. But I was afraid to breathe, Mm. like turning my head. And I had to go about, well, this is maybe a little more than five years ago, but in my mid thirties to someone who was about 22 and say, I don't know how to swim, (laughs) you know? And she was great. I mean, she really helped me, but I think her approach was probably similar to yours. Like, what do you, what do you want to get out of this? Mm -hmm. You know, versus, and so we did the whole thing where I sat and, Blue bubbles in the water for a while. I mean, amazing at, at Equinox Gym, which is crazy because it's like this <laughs> fancy gym in New York. So now people are swimming like crazy, and I'm like blowing bubbles. <laughs> you know, it's
1: an important part of it, though. Definitely. I mean, there are so many people that are like that that are like you, and and have taken time, learned how to swim as a kid, and they've just forgotten how to do it. And what happens when we get older as adults is we become more scared. We have more fears, and that's true of everything, not just swimming. Um, meeting people, making friends, meeting partners, all that sort of stuff, we become more scared um, as we get older, coupled with the fact that our brains are constantly scanning for catastrophe. And everything that we do, everywhere that we go and the brain's constantly going, well, there you go. There's, i proved, totally proved my point. Um, Mm -hmm. Whether you're on a date and it goes awfully and you're like, there you go, prove the point. So that's it, done, finished. Um, But then when you add those things into an alien environment like the water, which you're fighting caveman instincts like we're not designed to be in the water we're designed to be on land so we can get constant access to oxygen thank you very much as soon as you add water into the mix the brain goes uh-uh no this, no this is no nope. not happy with this and essentially the only way to get through that process is by having some coaching whether that's you coaching yourself through online stuff or whether that's someone helping you in order to do that
0: That's that is true. I didn't think about that, how we're not really even made to be in there. But what brings people to you, I guess, because and deciding to go open water swimming? Because I think the easiest path, at least my opinion, is the easiest path if you want to like swim as an adult is just, just like join the gym and go to a pool, and that's it. What are you finding brings people to you?
1: Um, I think, um, I'm very lucky in that the journey that open water swimming has taken through the years, I've been quite a, it sounds weird to say this, but quite a big part of that journey, certainly in the UK. And so as I was saying earlier, Beijing the first time that the 10 K had been in the Olympic games was for the Beijing Olympics. And we came home as a country with three medals so of the mm-hmm. six medals on offer, we came home with half of those medals, one in the men and two in the female. And, and I can't tell you how many people said, because it was in Beijing time and the UK it was like three in the morning. And mm-hmm. how many people said that they sat up and watched it and they th- found it exciting and they couldn't believe that they'd watched every minute of a two-hour swim. I was bored swimming it. and wasn't actually, but, you know, I can get easily get away with that. But, you know, and people were watching it. And so what we got mm-hmm. from Beijing through to London was, people understanding it, people seeing it because pre-Beijing, the only people that ever did open water swimming or that you heard of was like some crazy person that's on the channel. Oh, somebody such and such, such and such did the channel swim. Oh my God, they're totally crazy doing stuff in the open water. It's far too cold. It's not for me to all of a sudden going, Oh, did you see that? Maybe there is. And then more events mm-hmm. came on on board and more pe- places were doing shorter events like mile swims and half mile swims in beautiful locations. And then, You know, then more and more came, and then we went through to London Olympic Games, and then not only was the 10k in that, but it was a free event as well. So it was in the Serpentine in Hyde Park. There were thirty thousand people. So one of my Mm. proudest moments of my whole career was that race. Although I came fourth, and it's a heartbreaking moment, there were thirty thousand people that came to watch
0: in person
1: around, standing around Hyde Park. Like the noise was out outrageous i could hear physically hear people shouting Carrie Ann in the water with my like wow. ears full of water i could hear them and that's not something that you can normally hear so it, it was just amazing um and then again so the the backup from beijing saying i watched it wasn't it cool maybe i'll try it to so all of a sudden people going and it, it does fill me with pride when people say that like, you inspired me to take on open mm-hmm. water swimming and I think what what's happened through that bit is through some videos and through kind of showcasing that anyone can do it, and that I'm, you know, you don't have to be a good swimmer to come for a session with me. I'm, I really love the the beginner adults who who can't do it or are scared of it or want to take the transition from pool to open water. Um. So yeah, I think there's there's kind of sometimes there's two people. One is that 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 the people are like, I really want to learn how to do it now, and I want you to be the one to help me to do that. And then there's the other pocket which is the kind of the endless income triathletes, I guess, who (laughs) um, want, again, they just want to learn. And and I'm based in London. So um, it's, you know, it's definitely easier to access more because there's tons of pools in London and easy to access pools around here. And the people that are working in, you know, the city can make it Mm -hmm. across for an an hour's lunch break session. So I guess there's a combination of those two types of people that we're finding.
0: So then when you think about, your role in qualifying coaches and teaching them, is there a different mindset you approach them with when you're teaching them how to basically coach? I mean, and I don't know enough about, I guess, coaching in this athletic part. I think more of like leadership coaching, but I feel like there okay. has to be some similarities with it. Yeah, totally.
1: Right? Totally. For, for me, it's about making sure that first of all, and as quickly as possible when I do a course i can establish an environment where everyone feels safe everyone feels safe to ask questions they feel safe to challenge they feel safe to um to say like i'm scared of this or i'm worried about that or challenge things in, in a positive way so i go i do a, a huge amount of work right at the beginning trying to make sure i can um create that environment and then i use that quite a lot as we go through so what i you know try and get my coaches to think about is is the environment that they can create for a swimmer to help them and then we talk a lot about all the different types of coaches from the motivational coaches to the technical coaches to the directive coaches through to ultimately what we're aiming them for them to be which is a facilitative coach um which is about kind of making sure it's more of an athlete-led collaborative approach um and then basically i just keep doing examples of it as we go through to keep keep challenging them like i'll run through our coaching methodology with with them live so actually pick someone and say right we're going to talk through each one of these things but i'm going to do it with you now so you can see how it is and again just creating the opportunity for people to ask questions and challenge and get the information in and um yeah it's for me it's about my mission is to empower the world to swim outdoors and i know that i can do that myself with you know however many people i can get into a swimming pool but the beauty of the qualifications and coaching the coaches now is that they can help me to do that much quicker than I could ever do them myself. Um, so it's about helping them feel supported. And it's it's the stuff that comes after that, which takes time and takes effort, it takes energy um, to create the that that support. Because it's not just the two days that they're with me in the third day practical. It's more than that. It's a Facebook group, it's a WhatsApp group with every single course, which is, you know, 15 yeah. courses so far for the year um 15 whatsapp groups um it's you know all that kind of stuff which is which but I love it because they're all connecting and communicating and there's not an expectation for me to to mention everyone and to talk to everyone all the time but if there was something I think I'd hope that they all would feel comfortable to come to me and ask ask for that and I think the other thing I've had to learn how to do with this is My very first course, I was really worried about being a 28-year-old, 29-year-old standing in front of people who were 40, 45, 50 and Mm -hmm. saying, I'm the teacher, you have to listen to me. And I'm so glad that I had like a pep talk from my business coaching husband to say, it's not about you, Carrie ann Take your ego out of the equation. It's about them learning. So what you should start with is, or what do you think you can start with? And essentially it started with, I am am up here, I have some knowledge, but I'm going to learn from you guys as much as you're going to learn from me. And let's make sure that there's this collaborative approach. And and that made a massive difference. And then it's gaining that confidence. So if you you know your stuff, and you know, you know your stuff, but we always have this like fear of failure or doing it wrong or upsetting someone. But as soon as you can get let go of that, and you go, you know what, I am a great tutor. I know I'm a great Mm -hmm. tutor, because all the feedback says that but it doesn't help me every now and then just focusing on the one person who I think I haven't helped as much as I could have, but that's always going to happen. But you know, it, 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 it is about going, I'm doing a really good job of this. And I'm hoping to create an environment that if someone thinks I haven't, they can come to me and tell me you haven't, or I need this answered. Can you help me with that kind of thing? So yeah, it's a combination of me being confident that I'm doing a good job because I know I do a good job. I know I can inspire people and help them and, and, you know, build their confidence within themselves. Um, But if I'm not that confident going into it, then that's when things go a little bit wrong. Hmm.
0: What's interesting about hearing you talk through those aspects too, is it's something that anybody in any occupation goes through. Mm. And I think too, the fact that it's, you're kind of your boss at this point, and you have people that you're serving, which are these people that you're teaching maybe changes things a little bit, but not too much. One thing, one reason I created this podcast and one reason I talk to people about these things is just because I've gone through it so many times where I lost all of my confidence because Mm -hmm. of feedback from someone or being told so many times that I wasn't doing things well. And it was just work. And it was usually just a project or just something dumb, like a bug in an app, which every app has bugs anyway. Right. So, um, But yeah, just listening to you talk through that, I think it's important and people will pick up on the importance of reminding yourself of what you're good at and reminding yourself that you're good at whatever you're doing, whatever that is. And
1: yeah,
0: even sometimes telling yourself you're the best, you know,
1: totally sometimes spending 95% of my time when I deliver courses going, I am the best person, you've come to the right place to get all that you need to feel confident that you can do this as a profession spending 95% of my time in that mind frame I know is going to deliver a better product ultimately for the coaches than me spending 50% of my time in either one and there's always a time where I say the wrong thing or I'm worried about the wrong name or um someone's met me before and I've forgotten or something like that and it really like throws me in like oh yeah of course course we met before <laughs> i think back to that um and just little bits and pieces and you know that kind of stuff and um but you know i just if someone are uh, kind of at the point now i guess where if someone's not interested um then they're not interested there's nothing i can do about it um yeah but just focus on the other eight that are there that are really super keen and interested and see where it goes
0: yeah and just giving them your best because yeah. that's what they're right that's what they're. That's all they're asking for, in a way. Yeah, it's just yeah. your, your best foot, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Um, so as far as looking at you as a coach, and then also like coaching coaches and qualifying them, then you have this other aspect that you mentioned earlier, where you do like retreats and fun places. So can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Yeah. So it really, it stemmed from myself and my husband having a conversation. So he was a swimmer as well, went to the Athens, Beijing and the London Olympics. And he retired after London. We moved to Edinburgh. Uh, I carried on swimming for four years and he got a a job up there working for someone. Um, And I was still traveling the world, um, meeting people, like just enjoying the life of an athlete, essentially. And not that he wasn't enjoying work, he was, but he just didn't get to travel as much. We didn't get to spend as much time together as we normally would like to. So, so ultimately, that's where our biz- that part of my business, Triscape, um, came from. It was about um, taking people, it was about tra- spending time together, traveling the world, uh, going to nice places and helping people learn how to swim. And that's really where it started from and, and started at a place in St. Lucia called The Body Holiday. Um where we went out and there wasn't any pressure to do any coaching at the time. It was just about going out and being an athlete that had gone out there. We were running beach fit in the morning, but we could offer one-to-ones and we were there for two weeks. In the first week I did four one-to-ones with guests. Um, Mm -hmm. And it just took people a little bit of time to see what we were doing and how I delivered things because the second week I had 20 one-to-ones in the second week. So it'd gone from four to 20. And we thought, actually, we can do this we can make a business out of it so we joined forces with the body holiday to create swim fit which is a package we run every november apart from this november gone but i'm sure everyone can understand that um so we do you know and then the next year that we went i think in i think the next year i was there for three weeks because or maybe it was the week the year after that anyway i think it was two weeks sorry so i went the next year we went for two weeks again to run the swim fit so we did um, a program as well as just one-to-ones with guests that were already on holiday. And in total, I did 60. Over two weeks, I did 60 wow. one-to-ones, um, as well as extra people on top of that doing the, the full package. And it's just grown and grown. And now we've had people come back time and time again. And we've had to create a new package to make it more interesting <laughs> for the people that have come back again. Um, And we've helped them to put on a one-mile sea swim out there. And, yeah, it's just great. It it works really well that that resort specifically hones itself well for what we do and how we do things. Um, And then the other resort that we go out to is a place in Nevis. So St. Kitts and Nevis are two Caribbean islands close together. Um, And it's a much slower paced island, a much slower paced retreat, um, but still fun and exciting uh, nevertheless uh, and yeah and then we're hoping this year we our first year um going to a new well next year now but it'll be a new venue which looks like the Caribbean but it's not <laughs> it's um <laughs> the Isles are silly so they're just off the coast of Cornwall um, oh. And they look incredible, like white sand, palm trees, crystal clear turquoise water, but a bit colder. Um, so we're aiming for that to kind of be our first introduction to cold water swimming, which we're hoping to do in October, but didn't happen this year, unfortunately. But hopefully that will happen next year um, again. So, yeah, we're aiming for the beautiful looking places, basically, <laughs> whether they're warm That's or cold.
0: Cool. Yeah, you might as well. If you you can set up shop anywhere there's water, yeah. really, you might as well pick Indeed. those places. Yeah. What's the ideal conditions for you for open water swimming? Like, do you like when it's cold or do you like when it's a little bit more?
1: Um, I definitely prefer being able to swim in a bikini chasing sea turtles. Um, <laughs> that's pretty much my ideal scenario. So <laughs> nice and calm. Although I do love the waves. Like, I love the waves, the big waves, the rolling waves. They're my favorite. Um, but I'm a, yeah, I'm my I guess my spirit animal or whatever you want to call it, It's a sea turtle. So any chance I get time to swim with those guys. Like, so we've been to Barbados on a holiday and we did a little bit of work out there as well. And they were just, they were just everywhere. So it was really warm water, really crystal clear. And we could just see sea turtles. So that was probably my most ideal scenario.
0: That's the best. <laughs> and when you were competing, was it I guess warmer helped, right? I would imagine.
1: Warmer helped, definitely. And I, ultimately, I loved the waves. So if we could have a really rough, rough conditions were my favorite. For me, I love roller coasters and all that sort of stuff. So also part of it was knowing that not many people do enjoy those conditions. So Standing on the start pontoon, it's that confidence thing again, going, I know every single one of you hate this, but I mm-hmm. love it. I cannot wait. And going, oh, I'm so excited to go. And they're all like, what do you mean you're excited? Look at the waves, they're breaking. And I'm like, yeah, I'll be riding them. Thank you. As I go through. <laughs> and I knew I knew that really tactically, I knew it was messing with people's heads, being a little bit concerned and worried about, um, about the waves. But for me, it was a strength. I loved it. I knew how to swim in them. I didn't mind the chop. Uh, so racing conditions for me were definitely
0: wavy. Yeah. So now I can see that you just kind of said, okay, now I don't need that challenge. <laughs> yeah, much don't need that challenge. <laughs> definitely not. You've already definitely been there, done that. Not. Yeah. What's the most rewarding thing that's happened in, in your second career, like in the, in the coaching aspect, what's been the most rewarding thing for you?
1: Um, I got an email actually from one of the coaches who did my first course this year in lockdown. Um, And she did it because um, we were in lockdown essentially, um, April time. And I I didn't get an email from her. I got an email from her husband, um, which I thought was just her sending an email via her husband's email address. Anyway, it was an email from her husband just saying, um, I wish I could remember it now off the top of my head, but it said, I just wanted to take a moment to thank you for, um, everything that you've done for my wife. Uh, she's called Kiki. And she, we knew that there was something in there with swimming, but even she didn't and even I didn't realize how much of an impact it would have on the rest of her life and everything that we do now and how much more confident she is, how much more excited she is about what she's doing Um, And I just, I just couldn't not say thank you for that. So Mm -hmm. I just wanted to, from my perspective as a husband of someone that's done this, thank you for everything that you've done. And I was like, whoa, like it's not even a message from her to say that, although Mm -hmm. she did obviously say that to me, but to have that from someone else within her life, um, for me is amazing because it's empowering, not just her to help other people, but it's empowering her to do something that she really loves. And I've got, you know, five or six other people throughout the whole year that I know have had very similar experiences. And I was just speaking to one of them today, um, and it it just it fills me with so much pride to know that I've been a small part of what will ultimately be the rest of their open water swimming journey. And um, whether that's just for their learning to do open water swimming more efficiently, or, or creating a business, changing careers. The lady I was talking to today is trying to change careers and go from what she was doing to just being an open say just being to being an open water coach now. And the amazing thing is is that's an opportunity for people. It really is an opportunity to earn a really good living, coaching people in the open water and you outdoors doing something that they love and um, so those moments for me are really like incredibly fulfilling, incredibly fulfilling
0: yeah yeah, just know having the actual feedback and knowing kind yeah. of reaffirming those self affirmations you have to yeah. give yourself cool uh do you have any advice or a mantra that you end up imparting on other people or that was imparted on you at some point that you want to share?
1: I guess it's something that I've learned throughout my time, which I think can be um, through my time of swimming, but I think actually can be related a lot to to life. And it's, it's, I guess, it's just to know that everyone struggles with different things all the time. And whether you think that you can put over this like personal facade of like, I'm totally fine, this is all good. And I'm just going to use one story. And then I'll, that is a bit of context and then I'll come forward. So I was an open water swimmer, Olympic silver medalist, double world champion, been to two Olympic games, and I was going out to China to do a swim. And I'd come from uh, Italy with my performance director for open water swimming. And we traveled the day earlier than everyone else because it was the only time we could fly. So I ended up being the first athlete in this um, venue in the middle of China somewhere. I can't even tell you the name of the place that it was. Um, Now you would think, totally fine, on you go and my coach or the coach at the time the guy that was with me he was like right um you need to kind of work the flight out of your system we've traveled a lot and you've not swam since this day so I need you to get in and just do one loop of the course and one loop of the course essentially if you can imagine is a thousand meters straight Hmm. out 250 meters across and a thousand meters back 250 meters across and he wanted me to do that on my own and I was like no, I'm not, I'm not doing, he was like, "Carrie on, don't be ridiculous, you're a professional athlete, just do it, just swim, and I was like, I'm not going down there on my own, don't care, unless you're going to swim with me, I'm not doing that on my own, he was like, are you actually kidding me, and I was like, no, I'm not kidding, you. I'm not doing it on my own, um, so he was like, right, what can you do then, so I was like, I'll swim in this 250 meter loop here, that you, where you can see me, and I can see the ends, and I can get out, And essentially, I knew why I didn't want to swim on my own, because I even I, as an Olympic medalist, have those jaws moments. And Mm -hmm. I knew that I was going to be really worried about something eating me at some point, which is the most ridiculous thing, because they wouldn't have put on a swim if anybody had been eaten by anything (laughs) in the lake, anywhere. (laughs) Um, They put on swims in the sea, and people get eaten by sharks, and they still put on events. So it's like, Ridiculous. And obviously I know that no sharks can be in a lake, but it's just one of the things that I have to deal with. Um mm. and what and what the point I'm trying to make essentially is that um what happened during that swim was I was swimming up and down this 250, stopping every five minutes, going, Is it time to get out? Yeah, is it time to get out? And he's like, No, carry on. But I kept having moments of real fear and anxiety about being in there on my own. And thinking, I can't be like this because I'm this Olympic medalist and I have to, like, this is my profession. I have to just deal with it. And by putting the lid on it, when I did eventually swim into the twig, which ultimately was a twig, and I screamed so loud, thinking that something was eating me and jumped straight out of the water, it made it so much more dramatic and worse than it needed to be. Maybe dramatic's not the right word. It was dramatic, but it felt like it was it was the right reaction at the time as in, oh my God, something's eating me. I'm going to scream really loud mm-hmm. and get out. And if I use that and what I learned from that moment was actually that it, it's okay to acknowledge that you have a fear and a feeling of fear. And if I'd said to him, look, I'm a bit worried about being in there on my own because I'm probably going to have a moment and he would have maybe understood a little more or something and, and allowing myself to go, I'm getting a bit worried now about this, feeling that I have but I know that it's okay because I can stay in logic then if you think about the feeling acknowledge that the feeling is coming and it's there I'm still within my reason I'm still using the part of my brain that can problem solve that can you know use its rationale and its common sense if you don't if you just kind of try and suppress it try and suppress it try and suppress it and not even let it think about it what happens is that eventually it fully consumes you and you head straight to caveman instincts again where you just lose You go fight or flight. Um, And I guess what I'm trying to say to that and trying to impart onto other people is that if you do find that you are being, you're a bit anxious or whatever, and you find, you know, you feel like something's coming up, acknowledge it when you still, while you still can, acknowledge that it's coming and it's okay for those feelings to come because they're coming for a reason. And then do what you can about it rather than just trying to suppress it and suppress it and suppress it. Mm -hmm. Because the more you suppress, the more likelihood it is for things to explode. And it's okay. It's okay to have these feelings. Um, They might not be nice feelings, but it's okay to have them. And that's something I definitely learned going out throughout the rest of my swimming career was when anxiety came from races and um, competitions and all that sort of stuff. It was like, I'm nervous. I'm really nervous oh my God, I'm really nervous, but that's a really good thing. I know that's a good thing because my body needs these nerves in order to get ready to perform. Great. Bring it on rather than, oh my God, I'm going to be sick. Oh my God, I'm really nervous. I'm going to be sick. I'm not nervous. Don't think about it. And yeah, I've definitely used that a lot more throughout my life now um, than I did, than I appreciated really using it as a swimmer. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. And just admitting when something's going on and just, I mean, yeah. you're being vulnerable in a way you're telling someone I mean, yeah. even when we so we met at a paddleboarding and yoga retreat, and you helped me a couple times, because I was like, there was one day I was just wasn't gonna go. <laughs> yeah. And I just, it, I just felt like, I didn't know what I thought was gonna happen. Like, if I fell in, it wouldn't have been a big deal. But I was just scared I was gonna look like a fool. And you just kind of helped me out of that, you know, and I think it's but you have to be able to tell someone. Yeah. that you can trust like, hey, this is what's going on. And Right after the election, uh, the US election, I had taken the day off after the day after because I knew I'd be up all night with my friends. Mm-hmm. But then the day following that, I I was just done. I was yeah. so emotionally drained. And I had just had to tell my boss, I said, hey, I need the rest of the day off. I need a half day. I'm not doing well and I'll be fine tomorrow, but I need it. And she goes, you want to talk? Nope. Just I just need to go. I just shut my computer. And I have never done that in my career. But I had. I've, I'm learning mm-hmm. the same thing, right? Yeah. Like what? Just sit and be in this thing? No. Go ahead and go around my bike.
1: Yeah. Well, that's yeah. amazing. I mean, to be able to say that and to do that, and also to find, and people are a lot more understanding of things. So having a boss and and someone that can go, you know, are you okay? Can I help you? But yeah, sure, go for it. Um. Yeah, it's, it definitely helps, and it makes a lot of benefit through that.
0: Yeah, because the alternative is, I know for me, is just kind of acting out instead. And even though I'm the age I am, I'll still do that. You know, it's got to get out somehow. (laughs) Everyone
1: does, definitely. (laughs) For sure.
0: Cool. So I have a series of questions I call the fun five. They're supposed Uh to be fun. They stress people out sometimes. I don't know. Uh, (laughs) So I just, that I ask every guest. So the first one, and this is having to do with the fact that I'm trying to justify my wardrobe. What's the oldest T-shirt you have and still wear?
1: Ooh, um, actually, I just—it's not a T-shirt, but it's more of a vest. Is that allowed? Sure, perfect. It was just a black vest that I bought from H&M, and it's in their basics range, and it's probably about six years old. And I absolutely love it, and it's just got a little hole in the back. And I'm just wondering how much longer I can get away with it because <laughs> I love it.
0: <laughs> perfect. So a lot of people have said that 2020 is a lot like Groundhog's Day because every day just seems the same. Mm -hmm. So in the movie, Bill Murray woke up every day to I Got You, Babe. That was the song that came on his clock radio. If it was really like Groundhog's Day this year and you had the same song playing every time you woke up, every morning off your alarm clock, what song would it be?
1: Well, that's. I think I'm probably cheating a little bit in this because I have a two-year-old and for (laughs) the most part of the first part of lockdown... She was obsessed with Moana, so basically we had the Moana soundtrack um, literally just playing in the back of my ear. So I'd probably it would probably be um, "You're Welcome" by from the Moana cast and crew, which is sung by The Rock, which makes it even better. So every morning, yeah. The Rock would sing a song to me. So it's great. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and that song's fun, actually.
1: It, it is fun. I love it. Yeah, I do try and sing good. it to her now as well, even the yeah.
0: rap bit. <laughs> nice. <laughs> You'd learn it for sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this one's very important. So coffee or tea or neither? Coffee, 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 coffee,
1: coffee. All day. <laughs> Not all day, but at least three <laughs> in the morning.
0: <laughs> coffee. Nice. Do you put anything in your coffee or just? Why? I
1: am definitely like a latte girl. We have a, a coffee machine that makes good coffee. So,
0: yeah. Nice. Perfect. Do you remember when the last time you laughed so hard you cried was or just you couldn't stop and like what it was?
1: Oh, Um, mm, good question. I'm not sure I can remember the actual date of something, which is probably to do with the year that we've had, I think, but also potentially the crossroads that I'm at in my life at the moment, which is I definitely need to laugh more. I know we laughed a lot on our retreat, and I really, really did love that so much. We laughed so much um, on that. We probably definitely laughed actually at one point that we couldn't stop laughing. Um, we,
0: we did at dinner, I think. That was pretty.
1: Oh, yes.
0: Yeah. Cornish, Cornish Ash, all would all say. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that was probably the moment, actually. Definitely the okay. moment. Yeah. <laughs> well,
0: yeah. Yeah. Sometimes, if at least one of us has a drink or two, they <laughs> say a lot of things. <laughs> uh, And the last one, who inspires you right now?
1: Oh, I, again, it's probably gonna be quite cliche and it's probably a combination of both my daughter and I guess the way that we're trying to parent her is to create or try and like help her to be a curious, happy, confident child by letting her do things and trialing things out with and trying not to say be careful or no all the time i um, trying to get her to understand things and and the amount that she knows is breathtaking really and the amount that I, we don't give her credit for but actually allowing her to do things um like she was able to walk down the stairs herself um because she crawled up and down the stairs you know I've caught her basically up the stairs one day and I was like I'm gonna have to make sure that you can learn how to get down the stairs properly so if you do this again you can get down and she was about seven months old so she's been going up and down the stairs with no stair Mm -hmm. gate from about seven months old and then the same with walking and stepping and all that sort of stuff so just things like that and um giving her the freedom to do that and it, it does really inspire me to see how she can learn things um She's learned, unfortunately, I'm assuming it's from nursery because I've never said it to her, but she has unfortunately learned the word, I can't. Um, mm. And that is hard to hear her say, I can't, um, because she can do everything and anything. Um, but yeah, so she really inspires me by the stuff that she does if we give her the space to do that. And I guess at the same respect, I, I impress myself by actually allowing her to do that yeah. when every part of my body is going... Oh my God, she's going to kill herself, <laughs> going to kill her herself. <laughs> but, um, but obviously giving her the space to to try something out and trying to be a bit more kind of taking a step back to allow her to learn how to do it rather than being do it like this yeah um, so yeah maybe others, yeah, exactly
0: huh. so yeah, cool, <laughs> nice, all right, is there anything in spe- specifically you want to just say at the end or promote want people to look at to know about you
1: um I think just if if anybody's interested in um, learning how to swim, I guess, or be certainly in the open water, one thing we're working on at the moment is um, is a, a platform essentially which is able to find coaches in your local area and qualified coaches who can do things safely. Um, so if you head to our Straight Line Swimming website – and um, you'll be able to see our coach finder on there where you can find coaches and um, hopefully find qualified straight line swimming coaches in your area who have all been through my qualification. And, you know, I've seen all their risk assessments and I've spent time with every single person who I fully trust and back. So I would always highly recommend just spend a couple of sessions with someone and then go off and, and enjoy the what the great outdoors can offer you. But it really does make a difference just having that confidence right from the beginning rather than soldiering on and then hating it or then figuring out you needed a coach just do it from the beginning
0: cool awesome and i'll have that in the show notes well carrie-ann thank you so much it was great to chat with you and really inspiring actually just to to hear your whole story this way so thank you
1: thank you thank you for having me i loved it
0: thanks for joining me this week you can find out more about our guest in the show notes The music you're probably moving to by now is by Joe Mafia. Find him on Spotify. That's Joe, M-A-F-F-I-A. And Rob Medkey is responsible for our visual design. You can find him online by searching for Rob, M-E-T-K-E. Thanks, Rob. Let us know who you'd like to hear from or about your own experiences defining yourself outside of work at More Than Work Pod on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Give us a follow. Or visit our website at rabia said.com Subscribe on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening to More Than Work. We'll be back next week with another guest. In the meantime, while being kind to others, don't forget to be kind to yourself.